Hi, and thanks for choosing this podcast for the BDSM community. This one's with Peter O'Sullivan from Curtin University in Perth. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Many people are looking forward to your presentations at Sports Medicine Australia's annual meeting in Melbourne, which is October 12 to 15, this year, 2016. You're giving the Rashorgi Lecture, which is the opening named lecture. What will be the highlight of that for our listeners? Yeah, so um, it's a great honour to be uh, invited to give that uh, uh, that lecture. And uh, to me, one of the things that um, is really important is we know that back pain is the leading cause of disability in the world and um, a, a fair share of that burden happens to be carried by people who are involved in physical activity. So um, athletes are not immune to that burden and we know that there's a, a you know a significant body of work that would highlight that back pain can be a major cause of people losing time from sport as well as um, uh, compromising careers uh, in terms of um, a pain, pain and disability. So Essentially, my uh, interest in, in uh, presenting data at that talk is to talk about the issue of back pain as it relates to sport. Um, and uh, within that, uh, some of the common beliefs around back pain, that um, back pain is caused by damage, uh, that back pain should be treated like an injury, that it should be rested, um, uh, that uh, you know if you've got back pain, you need to protect it uh, because the back's a vulnerable structure. These are really common, pervasive beliefs both by athletes and um, and by the clinical community that I think have to change. Um, we know that, um, you know, uh, very commonly in an athletic population, people with back pain get readily scanned and unfortunately a lot of stuff gets seen in a scan that doesn't correlate well with pain and that can set them on down on a trajectory around thinking their back's damaged and they need to protect it. Uh, that can lead to ongoing distress uh, and disability that actually compromise their ability to recover. Do you find people respond well to that explanation and better understanding about their back pain, or do you think they're looking for a physical fix for their back? It's a really good question, Karen. I think if you actually ask any athlete what they want, uh, there are probably a few key things. Number one, they need to understand why they've got pain, and that comes down to really good education about the biopsychosocial components that might be relevant to their problem. The second thing they want is strategies to control their pain uh, with a means to get back to the things that they value, which for them will usually be their sporting activities. And so part of what we engage with uh, with an athlete is to sit down uh, with them and un- develop an understanding of what the f- key factors are that are relevant to their problem uh, and then set them up with strategies to um, enhance their capacity to get back to the things that, that are important for them, which will be their sport. Uh, and so part of that may be issues around um, uh, uh, managing the training load, uh, uh, biomechanical factors in terms of their body control, uh, as well as looking at other factors in terms of their sleep and their energy levels, um, uh, their mood. Uh, their levels of stress and how they're interacting in their environment and all of those factors we know are that biopsychosocial interplay that you know lifestyle and psychological factors can have an influence on biological mechanisms around pain tissue sensitivity inflammatory processes which can render tissue sensitive and so what we're finding is both both um, educating athletes uh, around these modifiable risk factors is is a really effective way to then engaging with them to get back to the things that that are important for them, which is their sport. Um, uh, where the other 
pathway, which is commonly what we see in sport, where they get a scan, they get frightened, they get told, given advice that they need to protect this part of their body, which often um, sets them down a cascade of actually, um, uh, you know, uh, making that problem worse. Can you give us an example of a case where you might have seen a person and in another setting they would have got aggressive investigation, perhaps facet joint injection, perhaps surgery, and you took them down a different path? Yeah, absolutely. So I saw a, um, a high-profile athlete uh, just um, uh, very recently who had um, developed some uh, back pain, pain on the right side of his back with some radiation into his buttock. Um, and uh, within a, a few days had had an MRI scan. And the MRI scan showed multi-level degenerative changes. He was told that his back was shredded. Uh, you know, to tell an athlete that his back was shredded, you know, can have a devastating impact on that person. He was also told that there was this bulge, but there was no compression of the nerve um, on that bulge. And he was told that uh, he was then sent for injections because they didn't work. Um, he was then told that he probably would need to have uh, a disectomy. Now, you know, the point that I saw this guy, he was um, he was frightened. Uh, he was, you know, clearly highly protective of his back. Uh, and the interesting thing is, actually, he hadn't had an injury. Um, he had developed this pain insidiously um, just with his normal training. And when we went back through his history, he had had an earlier incident with an issue with his knee, and had become protective and guarding that limb. Uh, had become weaker on that leg and had looked like he had developed these co-contraction patterns around his back, which was creating load on those structures, had created sensitivity of them. So very quickly through the examination, we could ascertain and we relaxed him off and uh, built his power and strength up through his limb. It actually offloaded his back and his symptoms settled very quickly, actually within a very short period of time. Um, but leading up to that, he had had a number of weeks where actually he was going backwards uh, and, and I think what it highlighted to me is that we let um, imaging dictate, even when there's not good evidence for the imaging really correlating well with the symptoms, we end up defaulting to the imaging as a diagnosis for pain. And we know that it's such a poor diagnosis for pain in the majority of situations, certainly, you know, with stress fractures and, um, you know, acute disc prolapse, then the, that, that's a different story. But with a lot of the stuff you see in imaging, they don't match up well, but we still end up defaulting to them to our, to, you know, to inform our decision-making processes. Peter, you're a famous professor and people expect you to have different answers and you have this authority that comes with your position. But if a young clinician is in a similar situation and the patient comes in with an imaging report that says their spine is shredded, you know, I think it's difficult for them to make the same sort of arguments that you make because they're more junior. You know, I think a lot of that comes down to understanding the literature well, understanding what is, um, uh, you know, the normal epidemiological findings of population studies for MRI scans. So if you look at the evidence that things like, you know, disc degeneration, and this is really advanced uh, at a young age, but, you know, normal disc degeneration, disc bulges, uh, annular fissures, those things don't predict back pain. So I think that installs the young therapist with confidence that they don't have to worry about loading those structures. The human spine loves to be used and loaded and moved well in a healthy way. But it also, you know, those tissues will benefit from um, graduated patterns of loading, from good sleep, 
you know, thinking, developing confidence to move and use the spine in a normal, healthy way. And there are things any therapist, even at, you know, even at an early stage, can. Uh, I think it builds their confidence, is what we're seeing when they understand that these things are really not predictive of pain. So you can you can be confident to get that person going. I hear that history taking is essential underpinning this, Peter. History taking is so important in terms of you know really understanding was there a clear traumatic injury mechanism because for the majority of the cases there's not you know you'll see that there's a flare-up that happens and the person's going well I've really changed nothing and you go back through the history and go well tell me about you know your training load tell me about your levels of sleep tell me about other factors that are going on in your life and often you'll see there's a combination of factors that just sensitize the system um, uh, that can create you know result in a pain response and then teasing that out then makes sense when you go to examine the person. Um, and but often, you know, people when they get back pain, we know the popu- If you if you talk to the population, they think back pain equals damage. They think back pain means you got to sit tall, you got to protect your back, you need a strong core. And so often, when people are in pain, they default to these kind of belief systems. Start holding themselves rigid. They start guarding their backs. And what we know is that that loads them more. And it sets them up in a vicious cycle. So a lot of the time it's going back through and, and taking a good history, getting an idea of what's going through that athlete's head. You know, what are they thinking? What do they understand? What are their coping strategies? What have they been told? And how are they managing that problem at that point in time? Because often those things become a barrier for them getting back to the things they want to do. That's fascinating that tissue can be sensitized by a lack of sleep and stress. What's the biology underpinning that? Yeah, so, um, you know, if you, there's a lot of great work happening now around understanding immune system um, changes. And um, uh, we actually published a paper just last year looking at um, cortisol responses to stress. Uh, and hypocortisol responses um, were associated with an increased um, chance of people developing back pain some years later and uh, there's growing evidence around these these um, stress responses influencing inflammatory process like uh, circulating inflammatory cytokines and they could be one of the mechanisms that are sensitizing these structures at critical times in an athlete's you know training season we often hear people give up a flare-up you know when they're overtraining, they run down and short of sleep and they're under pressure and those kinds of inflammatory processes which would be mediated through the immune system um, neuro, you know, neuroendocrine immune system will probably be, I would imagine, uh, will be things that we start to see more and more um, as we get a better handle on what's going on there. Now, don't take this the wrong way, Peter, but sometimes you actually do treat the back and give back exercises, right? It's not all about explanation. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's a general misconception that um, we've become counsellors. I mean, you know, <laughs> one of the things that we see, if if a person has pain they will develop guarding responses if a person has pain and they're worried they'll start avoiding loading a limb they'll protect themselves that that results in biomechanical stresses on the system so uh, thorough examination comes down to looking at basic things like body control body posture movement patterning looking at confidence taking the person back to in a graduated way back to the things that they want to do um, uh, but it's with a different mindset of understanding um, potential uh, mechanisms that are involved in that process. But it also does involve uh, clearly educating the person that 
the pain doesn't mean you're damaged. The system's sensitized for whatever those factors are. And then I think an extended scope and practice is not just prescribing exercise, but also to educate the person around the importance of good quality sleep, um, of graded, you know, making sure that their training programs are graded, that they have, um, you know, managed their um, other aspects around their health as well. Uh, and, and that's, you know, there's growing evidence of the importance of those other factors. Um, that it's not, we're not just dealing with isolated, you know, tissue structures, but they're impacted by a bunch of biopsychosocial factors. And I know you're a scholar of different disciplines in physiotherapy, and I'm sure you've heard those similar themes spoken by Jill Cook and Alison Grimaldi about progressive loading. Definitely. And, you know, the interesting thing is often we see people are frightened to load, uh, and you know, we did a we published a little paper in the uh, JOSPT uh, last year, looking at when people protect their back, when they guard, when they you know pre-tense their spine and they load their back, they they actually put more force on the back. They make themselves stiffer. So something about I think there are healthy patterns of loading in the back, um, but if you're protecting and guarding your spine, um, you could your ability to uh, dampen load is probably compromised. And so, you know, there's this really interesting interplay between, you know, backs, healthy backs should be trusted. Healthy backs, you know, need movements and they love to be loaded in a normal way. They don't like being protected. They don't like being guarded too much. They don't like, you know, um, having movement being avoided. So they are very common patterns we see when people are distressed or frightened about their backs. They, they will protect and guard. They hold more co-contraction through their backs. They tense up before they move. They are the things that we try and normalize in terms of um, uh, management. Very helpful, Peter. Thanks a lot. So to finish, if I needed a 30-second soundbite to play at a conference where I was giving people the essence of your work? Look, I think... For uh, clinicians, I'd say don't fear backs. Um, backs, treat them just like you would any other body part. Um, you know, obviously treat them with respect, but understand that backs love to move. They love to be loaded. They love to be used. <clears throat> Take great caution when you interpret uh, scan results because often the thing findings you'll find on MRI scan may not be relevant to the patient's problem and they could actually increase uh, their levels of distress in that individual. Thanks a ton, Peter. Thanks for all your podcasts on BJSM. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us today and getting a sneak preview if you're heading to the Sports Medicine Australia conference. You can also get lots of other professional development on BJSM through our YouTube channel, um, other 250 podcasts, and we try to guide you to these things through Twitter on a regular basis. I hope you get a chance to have a reactive day.